Ladies and gentlemen, week seven of the NFL is in the books, and there are a lot of things to talk about. It was the first college football weekend we've had without Arkansas, so Stone and I were in a good mood going into the weekend, and we are coming out of the weekend in not good moods. Simple as that, not good moods. But Drew's going to lighten the mood before we get to best and worst. Drew's got two... Drew, you called them like semi-stats of the day. You didn't call them stats of the day. You called them semi-stats of the day. So yeah. let's hear them. You All right. Brighten so, the mood, man. so that, well, this first one might not brighten your mood if you're a Falcons <laughs> fan because they have had three games where they've had over 95% win probability and they lost the game. And we're not talking about 99% to start the game halfway through the game. We're talking about in the end of the game in the fourth quarter, Against the Dallas Cowboys, they had a 99.9% win percentage. And then against the Bears, they had a 99.3. And then this weekend against Detroit, they had a 96.6. And they were 0-3 in all these games. Crazy stat. Next one. Yesterday, the, the well, Sunday, the Bills and the Jets played uh, in a football game. In the first half, the Jets looked like a competent football team, right? How many, they had 186 yards total offense in the first half. Can anyone guess how many yards they had total for the game? Are we going over under 45? They finished the game, Sandy and Stone, with 190 yards total for the entire game. After having 186 in the first half, they had four yards. They had four yards of total offense in NFL team in the second half. Jets are awful. We'll get into this discussion maybe a little bit today, but the Jets and the Cowboys are the worst team in the NFL. So with that, I'm going to go with my best and worst real fast. I'm going to start this off. Uh, my oh, best man. for the weekend, the Colts had a bye week, and all three teams within the division took an L. That's a big time for us. Sitting at 4-2, and two, uh, with the Titans losing, it helps us kind of, I guess, catch a game on them. Uh, we're about to go play them in the next, I believe, in the next couple of weeks, and then we play them. We have, and then I believe we play the Ravens, and then we play them again. So, tough three-week stretch against that. Um, but, you know, the Texans and Jags lost. They're both one and six. So, really, we're not going to be caught up by them, I don't believe. So, we're sitting pretty. It was a good weekend for a, a game of us not actually playing. My worst, I know a lot of people like the fall weather and stuff, but, man, it was cold here, um, and I was not happy about it. I had to wear some pants. I hate pants. I like wearing shorts. Um, but it is nice to have some cold weather because, you know, it's been hot for a while. Um, but that was my worst because it hit me out of nowhere, and I was unprepared. I was unprepared, Sandy and Stone. But, Stone, let me hear your best and worst. Drew, I like your shirt, young man. Looking good. Splitting Ups Pod shirt. Don't, don't get it mixed with Splitting Ups Pod Rick. That's some, that's some uh, golfer that, that we, don't, we don't pay attention to. Um, so I'm going to go worst first. And Sandy got to kind of witness this a little bit, at least the aftermath. So um, there are some structural design flaws at Hendricks Colleges uh, and Hendricks Colleges apartments. And uh, we had a little accident. One of my roommate flooded the, uh, the bathroom. No biggie. Happens. I did it the other week. Fixed it. You know, no problem. The problem is, is there is a floor vent, like an air vent, on the floor right beside the toilet. So when the toilet overflowed, it, it, over, it flooded our entire apartment. Water everywhere, leaking through all the lights in the downstairs area. It was insane. We had to clean, like we started, it's 8 a.m. 
started the day off with a couple of hours of cleaning our entire apartment because it flooded from a toilet water. So you can, you can imagine how that went. My best, I think I'm going to stick with, um, the, uh, 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 uh I'm going to stick with the Razorbacks not playing this week. I didn't have to deal with the pain or, you know, the ups and downs of emotion. So that's my best. We, we didn't play. Thankfully, already had to deal with the Cowboys. So didn't have to, and my fantasy team. So didn't have to worry about the Razorbacks. So I think we won the bye week by at least double digits this week. And we haven't beaten the bye week in like two to three years. It's, it hasn't, That's facts. It hasn't That's been facts. a good time for Arkansas up until now. So it's, it's definitely been rough. Drew, this will be the most tame best I've ever had in my life. And probably for the rest of my life, it has nothing to do with sports. So these last two weeks at church and going into this, this next week, we've had a really good series on marriage and like the foundations of marriage and what it means. And it's honestly a message I've been needing to hear for a very long time. And I feel like I have a better sense on life after these past two services, the messages, et cetera. So definitely a good time for that. My worst as a kicker, watching Colin. Oh gosh, I'm not, I don't remember his name. Richitelli, I think is his name. Colin Richitelli for Rice. Hitting the uprights four times, a quadruple doink is the most unfortunate, impossible thing I've ever seen on a football field. I honestly do not think we'll see it again in our lifetimes. So as a kicker, I have no idea how to explain that. That is, that is the ultimate sorry about your luck moment. Hendricks football players will know what I'm talking about when I say that. So, dude, that's unfortunate. Um, guys, we're going to head to the NFL now because we got a lot to catch up on from yesterday. Drew, I got a question for you right off the bat. I'm watching these, uh, these teams, and we'll get to our attaboys in a second. That's our new segment. Um, but if you were a Cardinals fan, a Bengals fan, a Chargers fan, we'll leave it at those three. So Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, which fan base do you believe is the most excited about their quarterback today? Uh, today, I mean, definitely Kyler. Uh, they just they're four and they're five and two now they just beat the Seahawks who everyone was like this is the team to beat this year they just beat them um, so definitely Kyler now 100% second place in my opinion is Justin Herbert I think he's been playing better than Joey Burrow uh, uh, I think he has a better team around him than Burrow so it definitely helps um, but Herbert's been balling uh, I believe he had four touchdowns yesterday. Now, he did play the Jags. Um, and Burrow almost led his team to beat what we think to be a, a pretty good Browns team. Um, but I definitely think it goes Kyler one, um, Herbert two, and then Burrow at number three, in my opinion, as in the excitement. Now, I think all of their excitements are very high. We've seen Burrow do good things in, in Cincinnati. Uh, Herbert's playing good with the Chargers. And then, obviously, the Cardinals, I believe, are a playoff team this year for sure, especially after beating the Seahawks uh, last night. But like you said, we're going to hop right into these attaboys. We debuted it last week. We'll we'll debut our new segment here after this. Um, But my attaboys, got to give it to the receivers out in the NFC, Devontae Adams and Tyler Lockett. Both of them, Stone's throwing thumbs down because he played Adams in fantasy this week, dropped a 40-burger on him, and not fun, not fun. And then Tyler Lockett on Sunday night goes out and drops a 50-burger on Sandy, 
So not a good weekend for the boys, but got to give out of boys to those two. They were balling. Stone, who are your out of boys? I want to give I want to give an out of boy to the Cowboys, but that is absolutely impossible today. So, Sandy, I know I know you talked about Joe Burrow. We've talked about Joe Burrow. I think I think obviously he had a great game, but I'm going to give my out of boy to Baker Mayfield because. This man stepped up when all odds were against him. So if you, if you paid attention, you saw a stat line. ESPN made a big deal about it. Bleacher Report made a big deal about it. After the first quarter, his stat line was like 0 for 5 and an interception, and he looked horrible. Well, he finishes the game 22 of 28. So he had one incompletion the rest of the game uh, and four touch, five touchdowns, four or five touchdowns, and, and, one, and that one interception from the first quarter. So – I'm going out of boy Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think we're going to talk about OBJ later, but Sandy, who you got for your out of boy? I can't go anywhere else than the guys I mentioned earlier, rookie quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. You guys have heard me talk about Joe Burrow on this show multiple times. I think he looks phenomenal for a guy playing behind a very bad offensive line. His weapons are better. I think, than we thought they were going to be going into the season. Tyler Boyd had a really good game yesterday. T. Higgins, as a rookie, is not a very bad option when you split him out wide. And I, I'm just – I love what I see from Joe Burrow every week. Um, he didn't, Now, the Ravens game was an anomaly. That wasn't a great game, but I just love his poise. Justin Herbert yesterday, some of those throws he made were – outstanding I don't have another word to describe him he and Burrow look fantastic I'm so excited for their futures I hope they get it right Joe Burrow deserves to win more games than they've been winning right now so I I just love watching these rookie quarterbacks man they they're exciting to watch and they're they have very promising futures I just hope that the franchises get it right I just hope yeah, we, we, we all do we all do we, we want to have success now now it's time where we get a little down Talked about it last week. Um, we're going to call this technical fouls. Technical foul. So this is obviously people who didn't have a great weekend. We're going to kind of give them a technical foul in the week. Um, I'll start it off here. Cameron Newton, terrible game. I have multiple fantasy leagues. Got me negative points in one league because he went 9 of 15. He didn't even hit over 100 yards and three picks. Um, I know Sandy was disgusted by the output that the Patriots had, but I think it all starts with Cameron, uh, Newton. Um, but that is my technical foul. Mr. Stone Paul, who are you giving a technical foul to? So, you know, earlier I said I want to give the attaboy to the Cowboys, but, you know, circumstances, yeah, not not good, not good. So I'm not going to give it to the – I'm not going to give my technical to the Cowboys. I'm giving my technical – to the Washington Redskins. Oh. Whoa, whoa. Sorry. Drew, tee him up. Washington football team, the generic name football team. I'm going to give their Twitter page my technical foul because they <laughs> memed the mess out of us because we stink. Hey, that was pretty good though, Stone. It was hilarious, but that's a technical. It is a technical. Drew, you're the basketball guy. What happens when you give a player two technicals? They're thrown out. They're ejected, sir. That's right. I thought Stone was going to tee up his own team, and then I was going to come in for the double whammy. I was going to tee them up, too, and get the Cowboys thrown out 
of the conversation of decent football teams and relegate them to bad football teams, but he didn't tee them up. I guess that makes it better because I'm going to tee up that entire franchise. Um, I, it's easy to say in hindsight, but the Mike McCarthy hire is not very inspiring. What's going on with them right now is not all his fault. Really, I'm teeing up Jerry Jones. This, this franchise is in trouble. Their, their immediate future, I have no idea where their contract situation is going to lead them. And now we can take things to on the field. What happened yesterday with Andy Dalton getting smoked? I also would like to tee up John Bostic for that hit. It's, a, it's not a very great hit. But you're hearing everyone talk about it this morning. Where were his teammates to come to his defense, man? Like, no one got in Bostic's face. They are all standing around. I mean, I think it really just summarizes what is going on with the Cowboys right now. I hate to say it, Stone, but they are irrelevant. Like, I, this team has no life. They're dead. Their leader is on the sideline right now rehabbing and no one is stepping up to the plate. I am very concerned about their immediate future, and I do not think Jerry Jones is well-equipped to get this team out of the mud. So we'll see. It, it's tough, Drew. It's tough, but I know you're loving it. I know you're I'm, loving I, it. I could care less how I do in fantasy football because the Cowboys looked like booty cheeks. Um, it was – I did not watch much of the game because, like you guys said, it was not a very interesting game to watch. But just watching the – starting off with the safety to start the game and then kind of everything just kind of – you know, it was an avalanche. Obviously, the John Bostic hit on Andy Dalton, unwarranted. I do not support that at all. Um, but just – the game was over before that even happened. But that was the nail – that was the final nail in the coffin. Um, there's no way that – I don't even know the, the backup's name was having y'all come back, even with the weapons he Denucci. has. Danucci. Ben Danucci. The pride um, of James Madison. There you go. But let's get away from probably the worst game of the weekend. There was a lot, a lot of good football, especially for the noon games. Um, I want to dive into this game, Tennessee versus the Steelers. Um, Drew, I'll, Drew, you owe them an apology again. Yes, I, yes, I mean, I owe them an apology. I do. Uh, I'm not going to give them one today because uh, I just don't want to. I don't feel it, Sandy. I don't feel it. You can't force me. But <laughs> I will say this. They came out really strong, but the Tennessee Titans made a really good push at the second half. I definitely think that these two teams are going to be playoff teams and meet each other again in probably the divisional round. Um hopefully the divisional round I don't want to see him play in the wild card weekend I think that would suck but I think they're definitely going to meet again for sure uh the Steelers offense looked really good in the first half kind of disappeared the second half um and Derrick Henry man he's him and AJ Brown are monsters AJ yeah. Brown came alive in the second half I don't know what they were doing in the first half I think the Steelers first drive that lasted like eight minutes uh really took them out of the game but let me let me hear you guys' thoughts about this game. Drew, my only thought on this game really well also it's just it's it's tough to watch Steven Gostowski's career kind of go downhill with a whimper with a limp because he's a all-time great place kicker, but it's just not been his year this year, kind of going the same way as Adam Vinatieri. But don't let it, it'll be a blemish, but this has been a great career. He's he's been fantastic. So it's just tough to watch. But, uh, Stone, I really think we need to have a federal investigation uh, into the practices at the Ole Miss weight room. I don't know what Ole Piss weight room, my bad, Ole Piss. But, dude, someone check their cabinets for PEDs because A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf were not 
they are not of this world stone. They were built in a damn laboratory. They must be from the 501 because they built different. <laughs> like, hey, you're not kidding, though. Those are some – what the coaching world would say, those are some big jokers. Yeah. So, they – I mean, they got some – at Ole Miss in the wide receiver room, they got some jacks. And I'm not talking about Bryant. the Bryants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Bro. well Sandy, I was, I was watching it, and I was super excited because a week ago the same thing had happened with Tennessee. They were down. They came back, kicked a field goal, or they forced overtime. And I was like, more football, give Henry the ball. Sit in my living room thinking the exact same thing. Gaskowski's going to come in, hit this easy field goal. Tennessee is somehow going to get the ball, feed, feed Henry, need him to score more than more points in fantasy. Um, and unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, but do not get me wrong. I think Tennessee, although they did lose this game, I still have them ranked higher than the Steelers. But do not get me wrong. The Steelers are definitely a top five team. Um, I think they might have the best defense in the league after watching what they did in the first half to this Tennessee team because Tennessee has been very potent this year. Um, but – I still have Tennessee a little bit higher because I think offense, their defense is not great, but like we've talked about, they get the job done. That, that Steelers defense is nasty, man, and they're, they're going to be in the conversation as long as they keep playing the way they are. The offense is, 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 is concerning at times for sure. I mean, you shouldn't be giving up a 20-point lead that late in the game, making it a game again. But, yeah, Drew, it's hard to argue with that defense. But, you know, credit to the Titans for mounting that comeback and – I don't know if I agree with you in the sense that Tennessee's better than the Steelers, but I think there are things that I feel better about with the Titans than I do the Steelers. So I, I certainly see where you're coming from. It'll be exciting to see where both teams go from here on out, you know, as we re go into the second half of the season. Yeah, very, very good teams and definitely be seeing them in the playoffs. For sure. Now, Stone, I want to ask you about another game that ended up being very close. The Saints-Panthers game. I don't know how much you actually saw of it, but – what, what do you think this is a tell for both teams that the Saints only came out on top by three points? I think we can easily point to Matt Rule being a good coach and having an actual system in place. And I think Joe Brady, I think this just heightens the Joe Brady hype. But the Saints defense is obviously the best part of their team. Their secondary is, is suspect, but – Drew Brees is still – I would say he's still a good quarterback. It's not like he's a bad quarterback. He just – I mean, he doesn't have the arm strength to throw – to stretch the field. They have to be a lot more – you know, they have to be a lot more smart and calculated with what kind of plays they're running. And then Alvin Kamara is obviously the mainstay, the, the guy that you go to when you need a first down, when you need a big play. That's – it's Alvin Kamara's show. So he's going to get the he's going to get the receptions because Drew Brees can't stretch the field. He's going to they're going to run the ball. They have a good offensive line. I think I think the Saints are a good team, but I think we're seeing the importance of good coaching when it comes to Carolina and where they should where everyone thought they were going to be and where they are right now. Yeah, Drew, you said it. You said this game was close and we're taking a closer look at the Saints. Let's keep in mind, this could have been a very different outcome if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't take a bad sack on third down. Backs the field goal up to 65. Shout out to Joey Sly, by the way, for hitting an unbelievable ball that just falls so short. Would have been the uh, all-time NFL record for longest field goal. We could easily be talking about a Carolina win today. And uh, anti-shout out to Stone Paul for taking my thunder and getting on the Matt Rule train. 
because when we do our mid-season report cards next week, he will be my Coach of the Year nomination for how good Carolina looks. But, uh, yeah, Drew, I'm with you, man. It's concerning for the Saints for sure. For sure. And, what did I, I say yesterday? Who they should trade? Michael Thomas. I was just about to ask you that. I was going to say I need you. I need you to to tell me why you think the Saints should trade Michael Thomas, Mr. Burks. Well, the thing with Michael Thomas, Drew, that we're seeing is, okay, he's had the injuries. Then you get the the report about him punching a teammate and missing a game because of suspension. We haven't seen him since. I know that that's been attributed to injury, but there's been some problems with Michael Thomas just associated with his name recently and it makes me think that there's more trouble behind the scenes than we're being led on to so and you're seeing how they're playing right now I don't know man I just so are you it's not as much me saying they should I get the feeling they will and 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 for that reason I back him up on it are you calling him AB 2.0 is that where you're is that where you're getting out there uh, that's that's a totally different scenario because <laughs> I don't think he's entirely right in the head. And I don't mean that in a joking way as much yeah. as, I mean, honestly, with the shots he's taken and seeing some of the things that he did in the offseason, especially the video of him talking to the mother of his kids mm-hmm. the way he did. Like, I don't think there's – the wiring is all in place there, and I'm concerned about him. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Michael Thomas, again, I don't have any insider information. It just – it seems like not all is right in New Orleans and may see him get traded soon. I don't know. Now, I want to pose this question to both of you guys. Alvin Kamara, obviously he's, he's a top five back, no question. But is it time to start talking about Alvin Kamara as, a, as the best back in the NFL? I think that people have already started that. I think people have already kind of put him in that threshold. But – I mean, there's so many good backs, and, mm-hmm. and it just it, – sometimes it just kind of comes down to system. But it seems like for him it doesn't really matter. Like he could play in a, in a – you know, the way the Titans play and just run the ball, you know, 50 times or whatever. And then he could also go to, you know, Carolina or stay on the team that he's at and be a huge part of the passing game. Yep. I, I'm not – I haven't paid attention to his pass blocking, his pass pro. I've never – I haven't paid attention with him in that regard, but I think, I mean, he's up there. He's definitely top three, top five. Like it just depends on who you are and and who you like. If, if you want a bigger back like Henry, some people are going to put him number one. If you want a guy that can do it all, some people will flip between Camara and, and uh, CMC. Exactly. Yeah. No. And he's definitely, I think, I think him and Kirsten McCaffrey are, are, very similar, but also very different backs. And I think that's one and two, in my opinion, right now, um, with Saquon really not playing the last two years due to injury. It's tough to continue to put him up there. Zeke's not looking the same without that O-line. So I definitely think Kamara's definitely up there in the top two, in my opinion, now, just because just of consistency. I know he was hurt last year, but, you know, two, two of the last three years, he's been a great running back. Um, but I want to move on a little bit. I'm going to go – I'm going to do a quick – Quick rundown of the Kansas City Chiefs because I was telling the boys before the pot, before we started recording that this might be the best team I've seen in my lifetime since the since the undefeated Pats um, because they can just do it any way they want to. Now I know their wins aren't against great teams and all and all things such, but they can win throwing the ball with Patrick Mahomes to their weapons. They can win running the ball with Le'Veon Bell now and and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They can win physically. 
on defense. I, it, it's very scary to, to watch this team. I didn't think they could get any better than last year, but here we are. They're only 5-1, and one, which I know I say only, but they probably could be undefeated if they, if they really wanted to. But they look very scary. If I'm any NFL team in the league, I'm worried about the Chiefs. I think they're about to run through the rest of the season and even the playoffs. I don't think any game's going to be super close in the playoffs, but, you know, you never know when you get to that time. But, my gosh, they can do it anyway. And Pat, they haven't even had to lean on an MVP and a, and a Super Bowl champion MVP. And that's scary to me, that they can still win games that way and, and dominate games. Do, and not even just win. They're dominating these games. That's scary. I know we want to talk about the Buccaneers a little bit because their defense is dominating. Um, Tommy B is looking great. They just got Antonio Brown. I know we were just talking about him. They look scary. So, Stone, I want to ask you about the Buccaneers real fast. What is your opinion on them after week seven and looking for the future? So, the number one thing that people were saying when the Bucs started the year, it was, you know, obviously the hype was on Tom Brady. They said, you know, they started to say his arm looked bad. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. He looked like, oh, you know, he was in that great system in New England. Look, now he's messing up. They didn't give it a chance. And I understand why, because, you, you know, we're just kind of used to seeing Tom Brady succeed. We don't see the bad games as much. And then he comes out right from the jump and, you know, he's the number. He's every, All eyes are on him. And he, he has the bad game. He has the bad throws, the pick sixes against what some people say is like the worst secondary in the league in the Saints. They A lot of people are not high on the Saints secondary, so it makes sense. But I think we're seeing that, one, the man can still actually like just – he can still throw very well. Like we talk about Breeze's arm being a noodle. Tom Brady is not having that problem right now. He has great receivers, but he can also throw them open. And we saw that with the uh, Scotty Miller touchdown in the back of the end zone where he just absolutely dropped it in the bucket. It looked like it was one of those Russ Wilson throws where he just, you know, kind of put a bunch of Archer on it and dropped in there. So um, it, he, he looks great, but I think – and, I mean, he has a great receiving core, great offensive line. The team is good, but I think really the Bucks defense – I mean, they are absolutely insane. And we, I don't, the special teams, not there. Like, we, they're not some great special teams team. But it seems like the special teams in the NFL don't really matter that much, as long as you're not getting penalties. But the defense combined with a veteran quarterback with a bunch of talent around him, Antonio Brown coming in, I think we're seeing a team that is, on, like, on the rise, and they're already one of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, Drew, not only did they get Antonio Brown, they got Rob Gronkowski back. He's, he is uh, back to game shape. It took him six to seven weeks. Boy, did he look good yesterday. And, yeah, Stone watching Brady drop that ball into Scotty Miller's breadbasket was, uh, was a blast from the past, man. And, yeah, they're firing on all cylinders. Um, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Pookie here because he loves no one more than he does Levante David. He looked great. But uh, Devin White guys was made in a freaking lab he's a heat-seeking missile and he almost ended Derek Carr's life yesterday that yeah that defense is scary Antoine Winfield Jr. the third with another pick um yeah man Drew you were talking about the Chiefs being the best team you've seen in a while I'm not here to say the Bucks are the best team I've ever seen they're certainly not but they they're back in contention for being the best team in the NFC and uh 
watch out, man. It's I, tough I, to watch with Brady leading them forward, but at the same time, man, they are they're exciting to watch. And they took I, out my Raiders. I, so. I, I I definitely think right now, if we were to pick Super Bowl, you know, who'd play in the Super Bowl right now, I'd probably pick the Chiefs and the Bucks to be in the Super Bowl playing against each other. But uh we're not gonna spend much time on this. I just wanna give a quick jab to Sandy. The New England Patriots looked Awful yesterday, god awful, terrible. Um, there's not words I can use to describe how bad they looked. Um, it's very concerning, and as we're seeing now, it might not just be the system. Uh, Brady Brady's actually a good quarterback, and Belichick has some issues that he's got to deal with. But I think that'll come in time. He's gonna have a couple years, Sandy, where we the Patriots might not be as good as we're used to seeing. Um, but you have Stone to lean on because the Cowboys are just, are there as well. Um, but moving on, we got to talk about Sunday night football. The are we gonna, cards. Are we, we going to get a? Are we going to see a top ten Patriots pick? We might see a top ten Patriots and Dallas Cowboys pick this year. Sad, sad, sad. We'll sad. definitely see one. We might, we might see the other two. Well, let's move on to this Sunday night football game. One of the one of the better games of the season. So far, the Cardinals Seahawks. Unfortunately, Sandy did not stay up to watch the full game. Nope. But you missed out on an exciting ending. So, Stone, yeah. I want to go to you first. What are your thoughts of the Arizona Cardinals, who are sitting at five and two right now? One, the division is absolutely insane right now, and they they threw a graphic up last night, and it was talking about the you know the records at this point in the year is like se- through seven weeks, no team. I don't know. They the the NFC or NFC West is stacked with talent and good coaching, and that's a problem for the rest of the league. But even more so, it's a problem for that fourth team, the odd man out. So who there's gonna there's most likely gonna be three from that division that make it, and we kind of we talked about that before the season started that that was a possibility. But that game last night, I didn't watch all of it. I kept up with it. I was I was in the the sad guy mode because I was getting blown out in fantasy. I scored okay. This is why I was sad. I scored a lot of points and I still got beat by fifty. Like I'm talking about a lot of points, like 135, and I still got beat by fifty. So, and yeah, sad about that. I was like, I'm just gonna Kyler's my quarterback. I was gonna keep up with it, but I turned it on right before overtime started, and that was an absolute fiasco. And there was a lot of moving parts, but it was awesome to watch. And I wish I would have watched more of the game, but the the sadness had taken over at that point. Arizona's good team, good defense. I assume, especially if Isaiah Simmons starts to step up, which he had an interception last night. He looked good on that play, but if they can get him moving and being a part of the defense more, they're going to look even better. Kyler Murray is a great quarterback. Russ is a great quarterback. I think we're seeing that Seattle's defense is a huge issue, and it's not something that was like it took four weeks to kind of fix. They ain't fixing anything, especially with Jamal Adams out. Sandy, I wanted to ask you, do you think this is a concerning loss for the Seahawks, or do you think it's one of those losses where it's like, okay, we lost the game, now it's going to you know, push them towards being a better overall football team? It's concerning in the sense that the Seahawks did a couple things last night that we haven't seen through the first seven weeks. Uh, Russ with three picks, I believe, um, and they had chances to end that game, and they didn't. 
I'm I'm not pulling the plug on my Seahawks hype yet because Russell Wilson still looks like Russell Wilson. The offense can put up numbers. The defense is doing what we expect the defense to do. They haven't done much else. Um, I think more or less it's it's a sign of where the Arizona Cardinals are right now. And Cliff Kingsbury made some interesting decisions last night at times in the game where he game managed it different than maybe some other coaches would. But I'm not I'm not concerned as much about the Seahawks. It, it's just – it's a divisional game. The Seahawks and uh, Cardinals always play weird-ass primetime games, and, and that was one of those. You, you had missed kicks here and there and, and all that. But, yeah, it, last night it was just a football game. It's the NFL. People lose games. So we'll see how it goes. But, dude, I want to get back to what y'all were talking about with the division at large, dude. First of all, the Rams should get into the playoffs through the NFC East. That should be their avenue in. And then the Cardinals can get in as the third team from the NFC West. But there's just so many good signs in this division. And I will go back, Drew, and, and mention those 49ers real quick. Another no-name running back picking up 100-plus yards on the ground, Jeff Wilson, before he goes out injured. Dude, that, that division is, uh, is, is as good as we were talking about before the season started. And he had three touchdowns as well. So he's, he's. No, hey, I know that. Believe me. I, <laughs> I saw all three of them. <laughs> For sure. But the crazy thing was, is they were talking about it yesterday. There's a, there is a chance that the NFC West can still get all four teams in. With the addition of the seventh team now in the playoffs, they can get four teams in. That just means that every other division is only going to have one team in the playoffs. That's crazy to think that all four teams could be in the playoffs all as wildcard teams playing against a division. And I think the NFC West could potentially have four teams in, in the dang uh, divisional round all playing each other. For the sake of football, I would, I would sacrifice the <laughs> NFC East chances of getting in to see all four of these teams in. Like we got, they, there is 16 wins in division right now. 16 wins. The next closest is the NFC South. Well, I think they're tied with the NFC North, and it's like 12 or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 12. So we're talking about four more wins from the next best division in, in the NFC, and it's 16 wins in that division versus six in the NFC East. That is absolutely pitiful. So, I'm. I I would sacrifice the NFC East and just keep just keep them out. Let the NFC West get in. Let the let us watch better football now. The 49ers with all the injuries that kind of stinks, but other than that, keep the NFC out. NFC East out because they just it's it's a S word show. No well, cursing. I posed this I posed this question to you guys last night of the teams in the NFC East who are we wanting to see host a playoff game as of right now it'd be the football team or the Eagles who who are we wanting to see in the playoffs come out of the NFC East the Eagles for me they're they're the team that could, that I think could actually put up a fight against someone whoever they play yeah they they certainly wouldn't be favorites but I mean if you get Carson Wentz on the right day with the right protection, that, that they can hurt somebody. I don't think the football team's going to hurt anybody, but I do admire the way they play with Ron Rivera. 
Let's yeah. get the Eagles, though. Hey, they have I would definitely the- say the Cowboys are in third place and the Giants are in fourth. The, hey, the, the football team's defense, especially their pass defense, is one – I think it's the best in the league, honestly. Like, per the ratings, per, per the statistics, they're one of the best in the league. That's just statistics. We know Riverboat is a good defensive coach. You're giving me a technical foul. Not, go, go look at the rankings. I'm not saying as in, like, overall talent. Go look at the rankings right now, and I'll tell you that the, the football team is one of the better. I want to see quality of opposition as well. Well, hundred percent, yeah. I'm just saying, per the rankings, what they have on the, you know, on apps hey, and stuff. I mean, in two to three years, that front four could be a nightmare to deal with. It's already a nightmare to deal with. Well, if you're the Dallas, Cowboys, yes. the Cowboys saw that firsthand. But every team that plays the Cowboys, any fancy people listening out there, if if your team is playing, if any team is playing the Cowboys offense, go ahead and stream their defense. You'll have a good week. Um, We've seen that the last couple of weeks, the Cowboys are starting to become a laughing stock in the uh, fantasy world. Hey, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember when it was it was a little while ago. But I remember when Sandy said the Cowboys were going to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, I did. What? What? How dare you? How dare you pick them? Nobody else on the show picked them. <laughs> Nobody else on the show picked them. Not even me, the Cowboys fan. You put that I definitely. <laughs> I definitely picked them. I definitely did. Me and Sandy. I, I, I'm sorry, Sandy. I'm the one that made you do that. No, I know. I'm sorry. You're going to get comments talking about how you're a bad picker <laughs> of good teams. And it's all my fault. I'm so sorry. Well, Sandy put that evil upon the Cowboys organization. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, but that's that's done. We're done with the NFL. We're going to move on to some college football here. Uh, Big Ten was back, so we'll get into that a little bit. And then we'll talk about some English Premier League as well, boys. Yes, Before sir. we go to that, we're going to take a quick timeout and hear from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. All right, it's college football time, and we're going to go <laughs> right off the bat. And where can you go but anywhere else? We're going to the Big Ten for my attaboy, Graham Mertz, 20-21 on the day, passing five touchdowns. I tuned in for most of the first half, and he looked fantastic. Um, unfortunately, he may not be playing for the next three weeks due to COVID, but he looked great, Drew. He looked great. So, no, let's go to Stone. Stone, how much your attaboy for college football? This one hits home. We have a good friend and a former Hendricks football player, Tyler Clifton, who is a GA for Hawaii. All odds stacked against them against Fresno. They pull out the win. They, you know, Hawaii is known for throwing the ball, but what did they do? They rushed for three hundred, nearly 330 yards. So shout out to Cliff getting his first college win as a coach. It may not go in the record book because he's a GA, but it goes down in the record book of our hearts. Good job, Cliff. There you go, Cliff. Gotta love that. My attaboy goes to someone that Sandy and even myself have given crap to. Ian Book actually looked like a good throwing quarterback, and I think it's every other week it's going to change. But 312 yards passing with three touchdowns, a good game against a team that I was scared that we were going to catch an L from. Drew, I think we knew that Pitt was toast as soon as their backup quarterback had to run to the sideline and get the plays from the coach like he was playing Little League. Exactly. I, I, was, I was ecstatic to see that happening. So let's jump right into technical fouls. That's a technical foul. 
talking about bad things. Got to start off with Penn State catching an L from Indiana. I don't know if it was actually not a touchdown or not, but doesn't matter. It's a touchdown. Uh, it's going down on the record books. What a weekend for Indiana uh, catching a big, a big dub from Penn State. Stone, who's your technical foul, sir? So my technical foul is going to Mr. Nick Saban. And it's pretty sad that I have to give a technical foul for this situation because they lose a great player in Jalen Waddle. And what's the first thing Saban says? I mean, he's real, but it's it sucks that he said it like this. And, you know, uh, they're interviewing him at, at half and uh, they're going into half. And he says, you know, Jalen's a great player, but you just don't take it out of the end zone when you're that deep in the end zone. But when you got a good player like that, I guess you got to let him do what he's going to do, I guess. You know, you just can let him let him run. And I was like, bro, when he said that, I instantly was like, all right, dude, you didn't have to say that on national TV. You knew you knew there was going to – you were going to get a rise out of that. Drew, I, I, I've been waiting to say this one for a long time. So when the Big Ten initially – postponed their season to the spring. Nebraska was the one who was putting up the biggest fight. They had their hand raised in the air. No, 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 we can't do this. We'll go anywhere to play games. The Big Ten said, sit down, shut up, learn your lesson. You're not Nebraska. This isn't 1980s. Tom Osborne's not coaching anymore. Shut your punk bass up. No language cleanse. No, I didn't say it, Stone. You heard me. Um, but then they play, and it is well documented that the Big Ten did give them a tough schedule to uh, make them pay for their for not being compliant with their policies. And I'm so glad Ohio State made them pay. So my technical foul goes to Nebraska for not living up to their end of the bargain, even though I freaking loved it. So eat that, Cornhuskers. It's not 1980s anymore. It's not 1990s. Tommy Frazier is long gone. Know your place like us Arkansans and actually do something before you stand up and start talking again. I've been waiting for that, Drew. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, well, first of all, let's jump right into this game because we're going to talk about a little bit about Ohio State. Um, first of all, in my opinion, being from Indiana, it was great to see Big Ten football back on. Uh, no offense to USCC, I actually enjoy watching Big Ten football a little bit more just because it's it's closer to my from where I was. You know, I know a lot more about the teams up there. Obviously, Notre Dame should probably be in that conference, not the ACC, but that's another story. But it was nice to see Ohio State come out. It's a typical Ohio State win against a non-ranked opponent. They come out, don't play the best in the first quarter, and then they end up killing the team 52-17. to 17. Um, Justin Fields, hopefully the quarterback of the future for the Indianapolis Colts, looked really good. Um, but overall, you know, Ohio State, it's just like Bama. They have a lot of turnover every year. So it's going to take a couple games before they look like the real Ohio State, but they ended up having a good game, in my opinion. Um, but let's move on. We're going to talk a little bit about Iowa State versus Oklahoma State. I know Stone has some things he wants to say about this game, especially talking about the spread. Stone, I'm going to hand it to you. What do you think about Ohio, or Oklahoma State versus Iowa State? We knew it was going to be a close game. There's not. It wasn't that it was like going to be a blowout or something just because Oklahoma State is ranked highly. They've had some injuries, and to me – and I've talked to a couple Oklahoma State guys. Chuba looks off. He doesn't look like he has any explosiveness. And some people are, are saying that Gundy 
Gundy stole from him because they didn't let that man go into the draft and get drafted and make money because I think his stock is definitely going down. Mm-hmm. He seems injured. But, yes, I'm pissed about the spread because there – so the spread was three and a half towards Oklahoma State. And they let Brock Purdy roll out to the right and throw some trash, just broken play touchdown to cover with, like, 30 or 40 seconds left. And, they like, there was no chance that they were getting the ball back or that Oklahoma State was going to go and kick a field goal or whatever. There was no chance. So that one made me absolutely angry. Yeah, and the spread is, is something that sucks. Um, unfortunately, uh, for people who bet the spread, obviously you lost. Um, that sucks. Um, but, Sandy, we're going to jump into the Michigan-Minnesota game now. I want to hear your thoughts about that game. Dude, this is a big P.J. Fleck household, and the game looked pretty exciting early on. You know, Rashad Bateman coming back after initially opting out of the season, Tanner Morgan and company. But, uh, the, yeah, watching Michigan, man, Jim Harbaugh's got this reputation of not being able to win these big – well, really against Ohio State in general, but – I think the performance they put on this past Saturday, really Michigan hasn't done anything until they beat Ohio State. But it was a pretty solid performance. And I thought Joe Milton looked pretty darn good. I had no idea he was going to be playing quarterback. Like the Michigan quarterback situation is kind of like a revolving door, especially if you watch the All or Nothing series on them from 2017. Shout out twice Chase Winovich for being an awesome dude. But, yeah, I mean, Michigan looked pretty good. And – you know, you get Michigan State next week. I expect them to fully throttle the Spartans. So, we'll see. It's just hard to talk about Michigan until you see them play against Wisconsin and Ohio State. And, honestly, it's really just Ohio State because that's what their season boils down to. So, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, they look great against a Minnesota team that I didn't – I wasn't sure how they were going to look this year. But it definitely looks pretty good in Ann Arbor right now, Drew. For sure. And I, I think I, – I, I just want to – being from that area, all it takes is one game, just like Cowboys, anything where the Michigan season's gonna go down the drain. So they're gonna lose. They, I think they play Wisconsin, or they play Michigan State, then they play Indiana, then they play Wisconsin. Uh, so they got a tough couple games after they play Michigan State. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, a couple weeks ago, um, so you guys celebrated Arkansas's first SEC win since, I believe, 2018. It's time to celebrate Rutgers' first Big Ten win since 2017. Uh, Got to give them some love. Uh, they beat Michigan State. Uh, <laughs> no, I, don't think anyone th- I didn't think anyone thought they were going to do that, but a uh, huge shout-out to Rutgers for getting that dub. Yeah, not a good start for Mel Tucker and company in East Lansing. Not no. hey, hey, Coach Heim, he, he dodged a bullet. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, but I want to talk about a little bit about Notre Dame. Hey, we were I, – I was scared. Stone, and when we did our picks, this was a game where we were like, hey, we're not touching it. But they came out and, and whooped the crap out of Pitt. Uh, I thought it was almost like a trap game is what people call it. Um, it seemed like it was going to be like that. You know, the week before we barely beat Louisville, and then we come out and lay – we almost beat them by 40 points in Pittsburgh. Uh Gotta love that we actually were able to throw the ball. I don't know his name. It's, the first name is Ben. I have no idea how to pronounce the last name. I'm not going to ruin it. But he had two catches. Both of them were, <laughs> were, were for touchdowns. So, love that. Love to see that. Uh, in my opinion, it was a complete game. Obviously, only holding Pitt to three. But like Stone had mentioned earlier, 
when you have a quarterback running to the sideline to get the plays the, in college, the game's over, the game's over. Um, so awesome to see that, but let's get into the big game of the weekend. We've got Cincy playing SMU. So I'm going to let, I'm going to give it to you to talk about this game and what do you think about Cincy and SMU? So we kind of, we, we kind of hit on this before uh, we talked before the show started. Um, we text about it a little bit, but the the guy, the wide receiver, I don't remember his name, the wide receiver for SMU, and they have a starting running back out. Basically, as soon as they were going to play somebody good, like actually, you know, really competent, like Cincinnati is, Luke, I, I absolutely am a huge fan of Luke Fickle. He's a good, he's a good coach. And when Arkansas was g- trying to hire coaches, that was like one of the number one guys that, it came down a lot of for a lot of people. It came down to Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, and I was I was on the Luke Fickle train more than I was on the Matt Campbell train. But I knew I think I just had a good feeling about that game because of the lack of talent or the missing talent that SMU had. That Cincinnati was going to put it on them. I didn't think it was going to be by like thirty or whatever the final score was, but it was like thirty. I didn't think it was going to be that bad, but Cincinnati's a good team. That was a close game at halftime. Yeah, and Cincinnati is a good team. And for a for a weird year in college football, it'd be cool to see like a team like, you know, like Army or Cincinnati get into the playoff because they are good teams, but it just depends. It depends on how people are going to look at it because, you know, the Big Ten only plays freaking eight games this year. Yeah. Well, that, that was my next question. This is This is the schedule for Cincinnati. Memphis – then they go. Then they play Houston. Both those games are at home. Then they play Eastern Carolina, UCF, Temple, Tulsa. They can easily go undefeated here. They're already ranked number seven. Do you think Cincinnati can sneak into the college football playoff? No, I don't think they'll get in, especially now with the Tulsa game. They could easily lose the Tulsa game. I think Tulsa has shown us that they were good, especially the way they played against Oklahoma State at the beginning of the year, and then they go into – they go to UCF and beat them, and a lot of people didn't see that coming. So I think Tulsa's actually a good team. But I don't think – I they'd have to blow everybody out. I mean, and we saw it with UCF a few years ago. It's like they were they were beating the dog out of some people and didn't get in, and then they get in the bowl game with Auburn and beat Auburn. So it's like they were a good team, but they were never going to get in based off of the, the people that they played. No, Drew, they won't, and it's a shame because I'm, I'm, I stand Luke Fickle too. I didn't know Stone was a fellow uh, Luke Fickle stand boy, but this is a big Luke Fickle household. They're not getting in, Drew, unfortunately, and they could blow out everyone. They could blow out UCF. It won't matter because – and I'm not going to honk the SEC's horn here, but a one-loss SEC team would get in before Cincinnati would because you still have Georgia, you still have Florida – one of those could get in. If A&M runs the table, I know they got blown up by Alabama, but if they run the table and look really good doing so, I think even they would get in over Cincinnati. And who's to say that Michigan doesn't look really good in their schedule, although I think it's very unlikely with them only playing eight games or maybe Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see them getting in this year. This Guys, this was the year to do it. This was the year to do an eight-team playoff. We, we didn't take that chance, and Cincinnati should be the one banging that drum for the future because they are a team that, honestly, if you get into an 18 playoff, they, they could do some damage. Like, they could nip someone here and there. Now, if they, if they were an eight seed and they were playing Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, 
that's a uh, that's night night. But uh, if it was someone <laughs> else, dude, if they got in as like a five seed and we're playing a four seed, that's uh, that's not a team I would be very excited to play again. So Cincinnati, this is was this was the year to do it. They didn't do it, so they're a good football team. They're just not going to get a chance to show that in the postseason, unfortunately. But they've got some good games coming up, man. I like that Memphis game. That should be pretty interesting. Yeah, that's that, I believe that's next week. Oh, and Drew, will you remind Stone who that running back for SMU is that was not able to play this past weekend? Yeah, TJ McDaniel. He'll be he'll we we just interviewed him. He'll be on the he'll be his episode will be dropping in a couple of weeks. Um, he's a bad dude. Uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to play. Hopefully, he recovers fast and comes back in the future better than ever. But that's a recap of what happened last week. Let's look into the future. There's three games that I would like to talk about. I'm going to hold off on the Arkansas game first. Uh, we'll, we'll jump to that game here in a second. But Dewan Booker and Blake Hitton play each other this week. And when I talk about them, I'm talking about Texas against Oklahoma State. I know you guys wanted to, to look forward to this game. What are you guys' thoughts? Who do you think is going to win this game? Who do you think comes out on top, Stone? So – Dewan and Blake this morning have gotten into a, a massive argument. It's been pretty funny to read the text messages. There's a lot of uh, S-word talking going on, no cursing. And obviously, Oklahoma State's kind of rolling right now. I mean, they're not destroying people, but they're winning games. Texas has not done that. But I think as we've seen with the Big 12 this year, the games have been close no matter who the – no matter who's playing each other, the games have been close. They've there's been a few that have been a little bit of a you know a little not blowouts, but you know a couple possession wins. But for the most part, they've been close games. Oklahoma's already lost. You know, Texas, who we thought was going to be great, already had some bad games. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State because they are the favorite. But I would not be surprised if Texas won. I'm hedging my bets. Drew, this is a massive game for the big 12 because this is their last chance to get a team into the playoff with Oklahoma state. So I still, I told Blake this at church yesterday. I'm still not sold. I think the jury's still out on Oklahoma state, but it starts this next weekend, man. You got to beat Texas to do anything this season. So a lot of eyes will be on that game for sure. I'm very excited. Spencer Sanders should be playing. Uh, maybe we'll get to see Chuba Hubbard. I know Blake is a huge Tylen Wallace fan. So, and their defense is playing really well. And Mike Gundy might be a candidate for coach of the year in the uh, in all of college football actually not just the big 12 i never thought i'd be saying that um maybe on one american news network they were saying that but uh <laughs> i don't know so yeah that's a that's a massive game probably the biggest game of the weekend in college football next week there is a stat floating around that is actually kind of funny for this game so the stat is oklahoma the the two teams that have lost the most games as a ranked opponent against an unranked opponent are Texas and Oklahoma State. <laughs> they have the, they're number one and number two. I love that. Texas is playing Oklahoma State this week. Unranked. Oklahoma State is ranked. So we may see the stat come back. And the two worst teams at it, or the two worst teams that do it the most, are playing each other. That's, that's going to be a funny one. Drew, I do want to say real quick, I want to get back to the Big Ten real quick. That that play by Michael, Penis, Michael Penix Jr. Um, was fantastic. I don't think he got in the end zone. But, uh, Stone, I need you to do your best Vince Lombardi impersonation to just recap the week that was in college football, especially the Big Ten. So can I, can I hear it real quick? 
what the hell's going on out there? That's the kind of year it's been in college football, man. In Arkansas this week, like actually looking good at football again, plays A&M. The fact that we're playing a, a big-time top-10 opponent and are being kind of disrespected in Vegas, I believe, is a sign of the times, man. What a crazy year it's been in Arkansas. You know, maybe trips up. Now, this week is personal. This week is personal for, for me, for Stone. Drew, it's personal in your own household with Texas A&M playing. So do you have – do the people in your household who are Aggies, who worship at the feet of that beautiful, beautiful Collie Reveille every week, how – do you have any sense Cult. as to how they're feeling this week? Or Cult. are we not going to find out till later? Uh, I have no idea. She is taking exams. So she's been more worried about that than this. I, if we're being honest we, – That's why they're not SEC – if if we're being honest, I don't think AM people are as worried of playing Arkansas. Um, loss. But we'll we'll see. I mean, it's it, like we've talked about before with people who've been at AM guys and Arkansas guys, it's always a close game. No matter how good Arkansas and AM are, they'll always play each other close. We'll see how the home field because they've always played in Arlington the last couple of years. We'll see how the home field plays different. We saw what it did to Florida a couple of weeks ago when Florida went in there. Um, we'll see if it makes a difference. I think it will. Uh, and I think A&M, if Mond plays uh, half, maybe a quarter or like three-fourths of how he played against Florida, I think A&M wins this game. I do think it'll be close no matter what, though. Well, Drew, I think you pronounced his name. You said Kellen Mond, but Stone, I swear, I thought there was another pronunciation for his name. It's uh, Barn, Barn Door? Barn, Barn Door, that's how that you say it. Right. Yeah. Not Barnhill like in Fayetteville, but Barn Door. No, no Barn Door because he couldn't hit one if he tried. Yeah, Drew, I will say this. And the cliches are already flying on a Monday. I was listening to AM 920 here in uh, North Little Rock, and they're already saying, hey, you got to make Kellamon win the game. That's what we've been saying for the last three years or so when he's been playing. Again, I never thought I would say it, but when they played Florida, Kellamon looked like a freak. He was playing out of his mind. And I'm like, there's no way Kellamon can play like that again. I was just so impressed with the way they took over in the second half in their game against Florida, which I don't think had anything to do with that home field advantage, man. Dan Mullen, that was the weakest bass excuse, dude. I was so <laughs> mad when he said that. He's like, we need to get 90,000 people in, in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium to win. I'm like, hell no. How about you just execute better? Like, freak, you should be able to play with no one in your stadium and go out and win unless you're playing Alabama. That's ridiculous. But and their running game and their defense is what really impressed me. And I knew their running back's name by heart. The other week, because he looked phenomenal. I've forgotten it. I'm Isaiah sure I'll Spiller. be reminded of it. Yeah, Spiller. I thought he was running so well. I'm like, he's got to be the younger brother of CJ Spiller, because that's not a name that's very common. But, um, dude, that I can't believe I mentioned AM's name when I was talking about one loss SEC teams that could get in. They really, the way they looked against Florida, it was only one half of football. I don't fall victim to overreaction very often, but I will say if they can somehow find that again, if they can find that and play like that for the rest of the season, they're legitimate. Stone, am I crazy? No, no, you're not crazy at all, especially – In other if, ways I, mean, I am, but run, – Running the ball, man, it makes a big difference, especially for a quarterback that you know, may not be great. But, they, I mean, they can run the ball. We've had troubles tackling running backs, as we saw in the Auburn game. So, that could be an issue for us. I hope it comes down to Kellen Mond, and if he proves us wrong – then cool, like you deserve it. But I'd rather us not get run all over again like we did against Auburn.
Well, you guys talked about. Say they will. It, you guys were talking about. You know, they could have a real chance. This is the remaining schedule. They play Arkansas this week. Then they go to South Carolina. Then they play at Tennessee. Then they play Ole Miss. Then they play LSU. And then they play at Auburn. That's their season. All these teams are not having the best years. They've they've already played the two toughest opponents, Florida and Bama, and they went one and one, which is a really good come out or outcome for them instead of going zero and two. They have a real chance to to be one of those teams that's not going to play in the SEC championship game. So it's not going to look bad that they lost the SEC championship game. They don't own the tiebreaker against Bama. They could potentially, you know, be I don't know what off the top of my head, but they could potentially be a one loss team that doesn't have to play in the SEC championship game that could sneak their way into the playoffs. Because I think if you lose the championship game, that's a that's a bad knock. You don't want to lose at the end of the year. You want to lose at the beginning of the year. Uh, they lost week two of the SEC season. So they're Bama's biggest fan. They need Bama to win out and to smoke Georgia or Florida, whoever gets in. Yep, exactly. So we'll we'll see how it plays out for them. But they're looking really good right now, really pretty, as long as they continue to play good. But they're going to have a tough game this week for sure. Drew, you just made my heart sing when you said Ole Piss. I loved it. You're, you're, we're I welcoming only, you into the Arkansas family. I only, I only say Ole Piss. Um, but if they're favored in games, they'll be known as Ole Miss. I only say that to give you guys a little tip of the hat. Let me say this about Ole Miss, though. They got robbed. <laughs> Again, Auburn uh, in, in two or three weeks, man, getting by with some really bad officiating. And, and I'll be objective here. I think that one was worse than the Arkansas one for the pure reality of the explanation from the SEC's office in Birmingham. They said they looked at it real quick and that there was nothing to review. That was so obvious. You could see the guy's finger you peel back. You see the his ball. exactly. You it, see his entire hand move. A, and so that's a lack of. I don't know where the shortcomings were. Like maybe it's the process of how we get a play to be reviewed or et cetera. They got robbed. Ole Miss should have been up. Oh gosh, they should have. Been, I don't remember what the score was at the time, but they should have been up by two touchdowns. They win that game. They got they got flat out robbed. And Auburn again getting by by the seat of their pants. Stone, we're in SEC country, so we know the talk surrounding Auburn. If if the rest All right, so last game I want to talk about for next week, we've got Ohio State going to Penn State. This is a real big game because if Penn State starts 0-2, they're definitely not making any kind of push towards the, the the playoffs or anything. Obviously, this will be a big win for Ohio State, as in saying, "Hey, we know we need to make the playoffs." Uh, well, this is a big push for them to make the playoffs. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. Obviously, uh, unfortunately, I don't think there'll be fans there. Which having the the Penn State crowd is a big difference maker. You know, a hundred thousand plus fans there. Um, but I think Justin Fields and company will definitely run that game. Uh, that I think that's the only ranked opponents that play next week so quote unquote that's the biggest game of next week so we'll see but that'll do it for college football boys we're gonna stop talking about american football we're gonna head across the pond talk some epl but before we do that we're gonna hear an ad from our sponsor anchor.fm all righty we're my favorite place in the world we are across the pond we're over in europe we're over in england we're talking soccer we're taking some American flair over across the pond with us. So we're going to bring our attaboys and our technical fouls. They don't have technical fouls yet in soccer, but damn it, we're going to try to get technical fouls in soccer. Well, I guess they kind of do, Drew, with a yellow card for a technical foul. 
That's and you get two, you get red, you're out. Right. It's That's kind of right. the same thing. You could get, and you can get tossed right away, I guess, like in the NBA with a flagrant two, is it, where you get tossed right away? I believe so, yeah. yeah. But screw basketball. Basketball season's over. Soccer never stops, lads. Footy never stops. Let's get into it. Drew, Mike has to go to Ralph Husson Huddle in Southampton for the throning Everton. Well, I guess Everton weren't top of the league when they played, but I've always been a big Southampton stand boy. And they get it done yesterday against Everton 2 0. VAR, it's going to sound like I'm being subjective and biased here, but VAR really should have gotten involved with Cesar Espeliqueta, uh getting dragged down by Maguire in the box. You know, I'm okay. if they don't give a penalty, okay, that's fine. But I really wish they looked at it because I thought it was a penalty. And man, it really would have helped Chelsea get a penalty there against United. So that game ends nil nil. But I'm just not entirely sure how that wasn't looked at closer because I thought there was a decent shout for a penalty there. Drew, I know you have an attaboy for one of our favorite teams. Yeah, well, I don't know why it's my attaboy, but a hat trick for Patrick Bamford because he's on your fantasy team. He's over here wrecking everyone, scoring 17 points this week, but he gets a hat trick for Leeds United. Uh, what's their song, Sandy? Marching on together. Come on, lads. Dude, they <laughs> – I love Leeds, man. I love Leeds. And, that, hey, if, for any of y'all who are listening to this and have not seen their documentary on Amazon, the second season was kind of a flounder because of the COVID situation, but it's – I'm I'm really glad that Drew and Stone took the time to watch it to understand who Leeds are because they are a a giant from back in the day and now they're being reawoken. So it, it's they're a lot of fun to watch, man. They play a very exciting brand of ball that even Americans can get around to watching because it's just like 40 minutes of hell from Arkansas, man. I mean, fast paced, up and down the floor. Um, no, you, Drew, I'm not saying we're good at okay, we actually are good at college basketball again. But what I mean is the style of play where it's full yes. court press all the time. And that, you know this, Drew. That's what leads do, right? They're yes, all sir. over the floor. Yep, full court it's press crazy. the entire time. So we'll get to the Premier League in just a little bit. But uh, I got to reintroduce Stone and Drew to the biggest club competition in the world, the UEFA Champions League. And group stages kicked off this past week. They begin, they resume tomorrow and Wednesday. So I want to recap some of the more interesting scores. Uh, as you guys know, Red Bull Leipzig is an official team of the podcast. They win 2-0 against Istanbul the other day. Man United pull out a stunner in Paris, beating PSG 2-1. Shakhtar Donetsk doing the Lord's will and beating Real Madrid 3-2. They went up 3-0. Madrid almost completed the three-goal hat trick to come back, but their latest goal was ruled no goal by VAR, so VAR do putting in work. Drew and Stone haven't been watching European football nearly as long as I have, but even they know – that uh, when Bayern Munich's involved, it doesn't go really well for the opposition. They put four on Atletico the other day. And they're just – guys, they are – they're on a different level. Sandy, in the, Liverpool, in, Liverpool, in the huh? words of Game of Thrones, winter is coming. The yeah. White Walkers are here. Bayern is an undestroyable team. Dude, they are uh, – yeah, they're dangerous. And then the last one, Liverpool beat Ajax 1-0. Ajax was a semifinalist two years ago. Uh, Tottenham needed a semi-miracle comeback to beat them and get into the final against Liverpool, in which they lost by a dodgy penalty of Mo Salah. That's, that's two years ago. I should let that one go. Oh, last one I forgot about. Lazio hit Dortmund for three, man. 3-1, Erling Holland on the score sheet for Dortmund, but not a good showing for Borussia Dortmund and then Chelsea tie Sevilla. Nil-nil. It's still group stages. They play six games, so 
it's only one, but the Champions League certainly interesting. But, I mean, all eyes are on Bayern. I mean, they're the defending champions, and they just look amazing in the Bundesliga as well. We'll actually talk a little Bundesliga after we get to the Premier League. But, Drew, I know yesterday you watched Leicester and Arsenal. So, fill us in on that game, man. What you thought about it? We're, so, Stone's an Arsenal guy, obviously. Um, He's a Guna. Yes. And if we're being for real – since October started, since the national, international break has happened, they've played Sheffield, uh, then they played Man City, and then they just played Leicester. They've played three good teams. Now, I only put Sheffield in there because they're good defensively. Um, they're not like one of those teams that's like crazy good. They're going to whatever. But they're a good defense team. They're hard to score on. I believe they've only given up nine goals this year, even though they haven't won a game. They've only tied one. They've only given up nine. Um, but honestly, Sheffield just looks – or not Sheffield, excuse me. Arsenal looks very flat offensively they're not pushing the ball the same they were in August and the, you know, the start of the year uh, Man City really controlled the ball um, that's what Man City does um, this last week against Leicester as we saw when Leicester played Man City Leicester is a very good defensive team their coach put them in the right position to be able to not let Arsenal's wingers and strikers really get involved in the game and no offense Stone Arsenal games have not been very fun to watch because they are very slow and and not very fast-paced like a Leeds game, maybe even a Man City game. That's okay. Our front line, from what the research I've done, is, is getting kind of up there in age. Aubameyang is 31. Lacazette's getting into 30. So we're getting a little bit older. Our back end is pretty young. Like We have some young mid middies with, I think I don't remember the, his name. It's not Zaka. It's the other guy. It's totally yeah. Toore or something, something like that. He's he's like in his mid twenties, and then we have B, uh, Bellerine. He's he's a younger guy. We've got some young guys. We got and then uh, Saka. He's he's like eighteen. I love Saka. And then um, Pepe. He's in his mid twenties. So we got some younger guys, and our front line is getting kind of up there in age. And I think that's kind of slowed us down a little bit, especially with everything that's going on and the amount of games that they're playing. Give him, give him some time, Drew, because Mikel Arteta is still working out how he wants things to look at Arsenal. You know, you have, you, you have Aubameyang who can run through the middle, Lacazette who can run through the middle, uh, Pepe on the wing. There's, there's still a work in progress before they get to be where they want to be. Uh, bringing in Thomas Partey from, from Atletico was a signing I think they wanted to make happen, even though they really wanted Hassem Awar, who he may still end up with Arsenal, who knows, but I know City are in for him as well. Uh, but you'll see how Arteta wants his teams to look. So when you say they look slow, that's surprising in the sense that, you know, Arteta is a Pep disciple. Mm-hmm. And before that, actually, Arteta played for Arsenal and was a great player. And there, there are good times ahead for Arsenal, I think. And I'm as big an anti-Arsenal guy as there is, but I, I will admit I like the direction they're heading in. And they actually, for once, have purpose. They're making decent signings. It's just, it's just it's going to take some time. We've got to pump the brakes on the Arsenal judgment. They're not a top four team this year, but they still need a few more signings. But down the road, they'll be a decent team. So, yeah. But I, I, Leicester's not a bad team, guys. I mean, this is a team that was competing for top four last year. Jamie Vardy can always get you a goal here and there if you need it. So, you know, it's that was that was a good match between two good teams. Yes, sir. And Leicester just happened to win. Well, there is the, our our official team. Sheffield goes and plays Liverpool in at Liverpool Stadium. Um, honestly thought it was going to be a ass raping 
Uh, I thought it was not going to be a fun game. I don't have a language cleanse, Sandy, so I can say whatever I want to well, say. I mean, but even if you don't have a cleanse, man, we got to get that word out. <laughs> I mean, God. I thought it was going to be a fuck fest. Uh, That's better. <laughs> I thought I thought Liverpool was going to run us out, but run us off the pitch. Um, but my oh my, Sheffield came to play, boys. I know you guys weren't able to watch it. It was on Peacock. Uh, I tuned in, and I was very very surprised that. The Blades came out and actually had a very good game. Kind of had a not a great penalty called. Doesn't matter. It was a penalty, whatever. Made it, went up 1-0, and I thought, man, this could be a chance. Like, we can we can really hold tight. Uh, Liverpool schools, scores right before half, and then they score in the second half. Uh, we don't have the offense to come back. But we played really good. Uh, the opposite of Arsenal. We played, in my opinion, faster than we've ever played. We had a different lineup. We had uh, Stevens as a center back with um, with John Eden and Chris Basham. That allowed Ben Osborne to be on the left wing with uh, Bald – or I don't know how to say his name. Baldock. Baldock. There you go, Baldock. We had Sander Berger and um, the guy we just signed – or we're on, he's on the loan now, I believe, from Chelsea. Um, I don't know how to say his name. And Yeah, he was center defense. Um, Lindstrom. And then we our new sign, the guy we signed from Liverpool, had his first start, Brewster. Um, he had a good game as well. McBurney, with his beard off, played a lot better than he has with his beard on. I'm happy that he shaved it. But I was really, really uh, surprised how they played. I was really happy that they played well. Uh, I know we lost 2-1, but it was a good defeat, in my opinion. Sometimes when you lose a game, it's better than, you know, just because you lose doesn't mean you you played a bad game. They actually played a good game, in my opinion. So that's the Sheffield run. I'm still with the Blades. Got to love them. Yes, Stone? I think we're starting to see Liverpool take a turn for the worse. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Liverpool is a terrible team or anything. But from the games we've seen this year, they've been exposed. And people think they can run on them. And from what you're saying, with Sheffield not being that kind of team that feels like they can run around, and then that's the game plan they went with, I think people were – are kind of putting in the game plan that, hey, we're just going to run on this team and make them have to run. And and I know they have depth and I know they have good players, but it seems like people want to run on them. Now with Van Dyke out, that's going to be a big issue defensively because, I mean, you're missing one of the – what some people say are the best – is the best defender in, in all of the Premier League. So that's, that's huge to that teams feel like they can run on – who the team that's for the last couple of years has been like the top dog. Well, with, with Sheffield and Liverpool, you, and Stone, you mentioned Van Dyke being out. I cannot stress how big that is in the title race. You're talking about one of the preeminent uh, center halves in all the world, not just the Premier League, in all the world being out. He's so essential to what they want to do, building from the back and being a stalwart at the back as well to cut down on opposition, being able to play in the final third. But you get Sheffield who come in, you have three central uh, center halves, and you put two wing backs on the side. It, it's a really good tactical matchup in terms of like just in the way to counter Liverpool and what they want to do. Because the problem with having Mane Salah out there is they're not going to track back on defense as much. So if you can nick the ball off of them, you can build from the back and get your wing backs to push forward. Sander Berger is going to sit back a little bit and allow play to develop in front of him and kind of provide some protection in front of that back three. So I'm not surprised to hear that Liverpool. Were, were given a run by Sheffield. I mean, that was a, 
it's promising, Drew, to hear you say all this because I was the one who was ringing the alarms last week when they drew Fulham. That's not a good result. But I still think they're too good to get relegated. Um, so we'll see. It, um, but, yeah, absolutely, Stone. It, it, Liverpool are not looking as strong as they were. But, hey, let, let me go to my my predictions, guys, have not been very good this year from football to soccer because I said Man City were my favorite to win the league. I'll still hold on to that, but it's kind of like who wants to win the league this year, guys? Put your hands up because Chelsea and United play a slow game the other day, and then Liverpool, you know, you win 2-1. That's a valuable three points, but City go out and draw 1-1 with West Ham, and West Ham are better than people thought they were for sure, but, man, just you're looking at Man City and – I don't know. It's concerning. This is a very open title race this year, and Everton dropped 2-0 to Southampton, as I mentioned my attaboy with Ralph Pussenhuddle and company. Drew, we should be standing Ralph Pussenhuddle because before he was at Southampton, he was the manager of Red Bull Leipzig, so they play a very similar style. So you're kind of seeing the English version of Leipzig, so maybe you can jump on their backs a little bit. Southampton is a storied club, have a lot of good things going for them, so that's promising. But yeah, dude, I mean, this is this is as is, wide open a year as I can remember, honestly, in the Premier League. Well, you're talking about a wide open year. There's a game Friday night that I think we all watched, Leeds, Aston Villa. Both teams are in the top five right now as it stands. Um, what a game, though, boys. What a game. Leeds, um, like we talked about, if they can continue this form that they've been playing, if they can stay healthy, you know, we know it's a long year. The Premier League, is, is it, they play till I believe, April or, or May or something along those lines. Um, I don't actually think it's March, but it's May. Oh, if they can stay to form, Leeds is going to be a tough team because they, like we said, go full speed all the time. Aston Villa didn't look like the same Aston Villa we've seen the last couple of weeks, but it was a good game. Nonetheless, I think we were all ecstatic to watch it. There's a lot of good soccer being played that day. So Sandy, I want to hear your thoughts on Leeds and Aston Villa game. Yeah, I mean, Villa being near the top end of the table, this is a team that survived relegation on the final day last year. And you sign Ross Barkley from Chelsea on loan. That's a positive signing. You know, Jack Grealish, I've been trying to tell you two about Jack Grealish, that the guy can play. Um, they've shored up some things at the front. Ollie Watkins has been a very pleasant surprise for them going forward. You have Hurahan in the middle, El Ghazi, and these guys, you know, they're not bad. I do not expect them to be here until the end of the day. The only reason why they would stay in the top end of the table is these these bigger clubs are not performing as well as they should. Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Spurs, City are all responsible for Villa being as high as they are. I, I, that's not a complaint against Aston Villa. I can't complain with the fact that you have 12 points out of five games and with a win, you go top of the table. I mean, to get 15 points out of 18 games, out of six games is insane for Villa. That's an amazing run of form they're on. But, Drew, I'm with you with Leeds United. I'm not entirely sure if their style of play can hold up for 38 games. They're, they're going to benefit from not having European football. And, you know, the cup competitions may slow them down a little bit. But, dude, I, I just love the way they play. They are a very tough out no matter what. And I, I have more faith in Leeds than I do Villa. And that has nothing to do with the fact that Leeds beat them 3-0 on Friday. I'm just – the jury's out on both teams still. I'm not worried about Leeds at all when it comes to relegation. In fact, I, I said they were going to be a top half of the table team uh, before the season started. Villa, I wasn't sure. I, again, I don't expect them to be in a European place by the end of the season. But, dude, yeah, just, Villa's just a wait-and-see team, man. Let's just see how they do because 
I can't argue with anything they're doing. It's very exciting to see right now. It's all good. And you're talking about European football. I know you want to give some love over there to the Bundesliga and to RB Leipzig and company. Leipzig look good right now, but let me just give you guys an even clearer idea of how dominant Bayern are. Now, given Bayern are not top of the table, that's Leipzig right now. Fellas, they've only played five games and Bayern already have 22 goals. 22 goals in five games. Ten of those by Robert Lewandowski. They are freaks. They're, they're freaks. I mean, they, there's no getting around it. And let's see, Leipzig play today, actually. They play – I forgot who they play, but it, it should be a should be a fun one. I think it's Augsburg they play today. But, uh, yeah, I, I love watching Leipzig play. I love watching Bayern play. Dortmund, uh, 12 points out of five games. They're tied with Bayern, but good luck getting them on goal differential. Stuttgart in fourth. Mönchengladbach, usual suspects near the top. So, dude, I, yeah, the Buddhist League is fun, man. They're the only reason why I still have ESPN Plus, honestly, at this moment. But I did want to shout out Leipzig for being top of the table and to just point out Bayern's dominance even more. Just to give you guys an idea, it's uh, Leipzig on 13 points, Bayern Dortmund both on 12, and then Stuttgart and Mönchengladbach on eight with Bremen and Frankfurt in the mix too. But uh, yeah, also, Drew, I want to go to Spain real quick because now the games are different. There aren't as – not everyone's played the same amount of games. Real Sociedad right now sit top of the table in La Liga with Madrid just behind Madrid beating Barcelona 3-1 and now Clasico over the weekend. Ansu Fati, 17 years old for Barcelona, but scoring. Biggest storyline from an American coming out of that game is Sergio Des starting at right fullback for Barcelona. First time an American has started in El Clasico. Hopefully it's not the last, but that's a very positive sign for the United States. But, uh, dude, Barcelona, seven points out of five games. Yikes. Yikes, 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 yikes. And Atletico Madrid looked decent too. They've only played five games, but 11 points. So I just wanted to give some shout outs there to La Liga and Bundesliga because those are two very influential leagues as well in Europe. And they deserve a little bit of attention here and there, but especially when Leipzig are doing as well as they are right now. Yes, sir. And I mean, obviously it's not the same having Ronaldo and and Messi play in El Clasico, but um, it's still a big game, like you said, like you mentioned. Um, And unfortunately, Ronaldo, I don't believe, will be playing in the game against Barcelona as well when Juventus and uh, Barcelona meet for the Champions League. That's on Wednesday. Yep. yep. That's COVID a, concerns. Exactly. Yeah. That's, it's a sad, sad day not to see Ronaldo and Messi play because um, we're coming towards the end of it. I know it's a sad thing to mention, but uh, we won't see many more matches of these two greats playing against each other. Um, but also it's a sad time because that's our, that's our podcast for the day, boys. Um, Awesome recap of everything that's happened. Can't wait for week eight in the NFL, week nine in college football, as well as the next match week for EPL. Drew, we got some big games. We got some big games this weekend in the NFL. Steelers, Ravens, Pats, Bills, Cowboys, Eagles, Sunday Night Football. We're going to see a lot of divisional shakeup. NFL, please flex that game. Please flex that game for me. For the sake of all society, please flex out the Cowboys-Eagles game. I bet they My do. I bet they do. My gosh. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I love, I love watching the Cowboys lose on Sunday Night Football. But I, for my sanity, in my mind, please flex that game, NFL. There's just so much Ben Benucci we can take in one day. Exactly. Exactly. And knowing the Cowboys' luck, they're going to have to go to their backup as well. Um, but that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys want to hear more of our podcast, you guys can go to Splitting Uprights at 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you guys find your podcasts. Listen to more of our episodes. We do college interviews with volleyball athletes as well as football athletes. You can hear our, our past episodes of our weekly stuff. If you guys want to see more stuff that Sandy Stone and I all tweet out on a daily basis, go check us out at Splitting Uprights to check out that daily content. But thank you guys for listening. To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble abodes To get a jolt from my electrodes They did the monster mash It was a graveyard smash It caught on in a flash They did the monster mash The zombies were having fun Guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocking, all were digging the sound. He got on chains back by his bane hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash They played the monster mash Out from its coffin Drax's voice did ring Seems he was troubled by just one thing Opened the lid and shook his fist and said Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the monster mash And it's a graveyard smash it's caught on in a flash. It's now the monster man.